Wait, that's a thing? Never heard of it. Oh, you have no idea. This is Haven Space, a safe place for fantasies. Brought to you by sex coach and researcher Sarah Perry. Okay, hi everyone. I'm Sarah Perry, sex coach and researcher, and I am here with my friend Britt, who does all kinds of amazing stuff, and she's going to talk to us about many incredible things. I'm sure that's where it'll lead, but definitely about polyamory, open relationships, and consensual non-monogamy in general. So do you want to introduce yourself? Yes, my name is Britt. I am the host of Polywana Podcast, a polyamory podcast. I do events around the city to help people meet other non-monogamous people. And, you know, I just talk shit and advocate for ethical non-monogamy whenever I can. Yay! Very exciting. So I would say that probably the majority of my podcast and patron listeners right now are in monogamous or at least like, um, like compulsively monogamous relationships. So can you explain kind of how you got into the world of poly or consensual non-monogamy and how kind of that happened, how it came up for you. Sure. It's a funny story. So I got married right out of high school to someone in the military. And so for some people, it's common knowledge that swinging culture is really popular in the in uh, military culture. So there's like a little bit of a overlap. And so the first time that I ever thought about non-monogamy was in that context when my husband at the time and I were being approached to, to swap partners. And I was like, yeah, that sounds incredible. And my husband was like, uh, no, it does not. And so <laughs> that's when I kind of learned like, oh, there's this other part of me that's like super cool and chill. And, um, you know, we separated, it was like super brief high school sweetheart. And then I came back to Houston and I was like, you know what? I'm like freshly divorced. I was so young. And, um, I was like, I just really would rather be in open relationships until I find out what I want out of a relationship. Like, I don't really want to commit right now to being exclusive. And even then, I didn't put together the pieces because I had never heard the word polyamory. And so it must have been, I was um, 20 and I was at a stand-up show and someone mentioned it in their set. And this was before I did stand-up. And so I, um, I was asking him about it. He invited me to go to a group where a bunch of people sat in a circle and they talked about, um, you know, like the philosophies around polyamory and how it worked in their life and curiosities and questions. And at the end of that meeting, I was like, this is exactly what I want. Like, I want that amount of communication. I want more than one partner. I want my partner to have the freedom to pursue their attraction. And so it was kind of, it was a little bit of, alert like learning by trial and error once I found out what polyamory was and I was like oh my god I want to do that I was still unlearning some toxic monogamy I was still like learning how to have a more positive relationship with my jealousy and so I mean I still am so long story short here we are (laughs) I totally hear you I love that you bring up um toxic monogamy um, culture in general. But let's explore what that means. Like as far as like the way I would define uh, toxic monogamy culture would be basically to say things that we started out as very young witnessing either in the media or in relationships around us that then carry through to the way we feel and express love and the way we feel uh, 
valued and are actually like innately like really fucking terrible traits you know like for example that if a guy got jealous that you're talking with another guy he would punch him you know things like that that really are super kind of traumatic and exemplify something that we want to work against in our society but there's this discord because inside of the rhetoric of monogamy it's considered um like sexy and and you know powerful in its own way do you have a better definition for that or can you elaborate on that yeah i think like i mean it's different for everyone because we all learn messages about relationships differently and a lot of that is by watching what we grew up in and so i had mostly women in my family so for me it wasn't necessarily like because there's two ways that we we create toxic monogamy it's with possessiveness and insecurity and those two things are kind of like what feed into jealousy. And so for me around the women, it was more like, you know, um, there was more of a idea that you would let a man kind of do what they wanted and get what they need. But then for women, because we're insecure, we have to be sure that we are showing up other women, that we are, you know, being the kind of woman that someone would want to come home to and really establish that um, the idea that as long as he's coming home to a woman, that everything is fine. And I think that like, even though consciously I really rejected that because, you know, I was like a tomboy and I like, you know, I'm bi, I'm with women all the time. Like I didn't, I didn't have a conscious idea about that. And then when I started digging in to why I was so jealous, it was all insecurities about, you know, a man not wanting to come home to me. Right. And those, I mean, were applicable to the actual situation, maybe like 2% of the time. And the rest of the time, it was just this, this story that I had in my head. And so I think that toxic monogamy is a, like difficult to pin down, like a lot of cultural problems, because everybody is saying like, oh, that, that's not how I experience it. Like, that's not true for me. I just love my partner and I don't want to share them. And that's because your, your version of the toxicity is different than mine, but an inability to kind of acknowledge and explore that and like have a curiosity about what that is for you, I think is the toxic part. Like not, not coming to it with, a, with an open heart for yourself will lead you to judge others and lead you to, to hurt your partners, even your closest partners. And that's true in monogamy too, because I, like people play this game of like, oh, who are you texting? And like, there, there is like this fun, romanticized, exactly what you were saying, even sexualized component to jealousy yeah. that I think we are kind of trained to be like kind of turned on by and feel wanted by. And that piece of it is really hard to parse out when we're in the flow of enjoying it. You know, like I don't enjoy jealousy, but I'm attracted to toxic partners in other ways. And so I can totally see how someone could be really excited and attracted to jealousy and not want to confront the ways that it's hurt them and the way that it's hurting their partner in monogamy too. So I wanted to just point out that um, like biologically, jealousy has a function. Um, obviously it stems from like um, the fact that multiple parents, more than one parent, would make you more likely to keep your children alive. But too many parents could mean that there's disdain for the children's well-being because there are more children being born. But also, um, jealousy, for example, has proven to increase sperm count. So most of the people who get their wives pregnant at some point suspected, like especially after periods of infertility, suspected that the wife was uninterested. 
or that they may have had an affair with someone else. So it's really interesting. Um, there's a lot of studies done on like separation time. So like couples who had a partner that like randomly had to take a trip. So say a bachelor party that um, tend to have higher incidences of pregnancy upon return. And a lot of that has to do with like triggering emotional triggers of ovulation and emotional triggers of sperm count um, increase. So uh, super valuable, you know, but also, proves, I think, that we are supposed to not be monogamous. Um, our sperm counts lower when we are with one partner and feel safe for a reason. And that sperm tends to be of lesser quality. So like as a race, we're doing ourselves a disservice uh, by kind of like staying safe, right? That is so interesting. Is there, my curiosity is like, is there a number? It increases by a lot. I mean, I don't know the statistics on it specifically because my like background is more in like social context than in like biology. I cannot uh, wait to Google it. I'm like so excited to hear that information. <laughs> interesting stuff. Yeah. It's really cool. I feel like it's fascinating, but um, yeah. So I think, I mean, what better way to prove that jealousy can be healthy than the fact that it makes you, you know, mm-hmm. and then you can kind of couple it with things like, um, like I study a lot about fetishes and so like the idea of like fetishizing your spouse being either raped or like taken by a large group of guys there is an element of like paternity claiming and also like like the way that um a penis is shaped acts as a plunger to like extract semen that's been in there before so this idea that you would essentially like use your body to like reclaim ownership over this new child that could potentially be born. We don't realize how much the fetishes on reproduction affect the things that we like sexually, but they do, even though like, I don't want any more kids ever, but it's still like, you yeah. know, it's like juicy. Yeah. I love, that's like such a funny thing. Cause I love like pregnancy play, like knock me up, get me pregnant. Like, and I own it and I'm really communicative about it, but a lot of, you know, like I'm 25, like, a, I, I get confronted with people that are like, I'm not doing that. And I'm like, no, 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 I'm not going to get pregnant. Just yeah, we're in the thing. We're in the thing. Yeah. And they're like, oh no, like they're so like, they're so turned off by the thought of having a kid because of the place they are in their life. And I'm like, use your imagination. Like it's so fun and awkward. (laughs) If you look up though, I mean, maybe this is one that I'll do soon, but if you look up, there is a porn for like breeding play and Mm. a lot of like ads online. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just so everyone knows, wiggle fingers just means like resonance. Like I get it. I agree. So that you don't have to interrupt the person. You do this. Okay. <laughs> we are in terms. What um, an on-brand moment for me that someone said breeding porn and I was like, resonance fingers. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but I totally get it. And I like, um, and if you go on like Craigslist and look at the really raunchy stuff, there's a lot of stuff that's like, um, I want to come get your wife pregnant. Da, 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 da. And there's like, there is an element of like the come play stuff, you know, but a lot of it has to do with the, the power dynamics between like ownership. Yeah. So there is like a very, you're right, a very sexualized side to toxic elements of monogamy or of possessiveness in general, because it's yeah. not just monogamy, right? Yeah. Um, my last, my last partner was like, um, you know, was monogamous before they met me. And so, you know, that kind of like, 
that like three day span where you're just explaining shit for a little bit to try to like help them out and see if they're into it. And um, they were like explaining that they were really turned on by jealousy and that they kind of liked it when I, because I do like, I was like, yeah, I experienced jealousy. I just don't really like act on it in a negative way. And so they would like do this thing where they would be like, are you jealous? And I'd be like, yeah. And it would be like hot, you know, like, because it wasn't like I was like angry at the other person or even angry at them. It was just like, oh, like, you know, like, let's fuck about it. Yes. I, that, I hear you. I know exactly what that's like. (laughs) Um, Okay. So tell me about, I think that the most common thing that I hear from people is I could never do it. I am way too jealous. Right. And I'm sure you hear it too. So what do you say to that? What do you say to people who assume that polyamorous or ethically non-monogamous people have no jealousy? Hmm. And how do you deal with jealousy that does come up? Yeah. Aside from fucking about it. I I know. Super valuable solution, by the way. That's my solution to a lot of things. Um, I feel so, I mean, like in conversation, like, there's only so much you can do for someone who doesn't want to do the inner work. You know what I mean? And so like, that's why, even though I do believe like polyamory is great, I don't think it's for everyone because I do think that there are people that really would rather be complacent in, in like where they are. Like they have some frozen needs around like security. They may be really codependent. And it's like, if you follow that jealousy thread, to a point, you may find that, that that your monogamous relationship isn't working because it's built on your your own patterns or their own patterns. And so, you know, I can obviously say like, well, jealousy is pretty natural. It's really about how you deal with it. There are some ways to cope with jealousy and talk about it that are more healthy, but really it's about confronting why you're jealous and then trying to work at it from that point rather than working from the action that they committed. And when, like, some of the things you can do is set some firm boundaries at the beginning. Not that I advocate for unicorn hunting, but, you know, stuff like no friends, no one younger than me, like, nothing wrong with that. That creates weird, you know, social situations. And then you can kind of work, you know, through boundaries personally, like fluid bonding. Um, But it's like, I think that there's kind of this perception that you can just, like, hop over some bridge and then you're in non-monogamy. But really it's about, it's about communicating with your partner, which if you're someone that wants to be non-monogamous and your partner doesn't know it, then you might not, you might already be having a communication problem. And then that communication problem, when you translate it to non-monogamy is not going to get better until you work on it, you know? So if you do have like a real desire to become non-monogamous, my suggestion is to find a coach or a therapist, like especially if it's not coming naturally at the beginning or if you're struggling to talk to your partner about it, because really what we need is support. If we can't get to that point where we're confronting our insecurities, then we might just need a little help, you know? So those are some of my suggestions. The healthy ways of coping with jealousy have a lot to do with loving ourselves and loving our partner really deeply. And that's something that's hard to teach, you know, like it's hard to explain in in like a short, you know, normally it's a conversation at a bar, right? So it's like, how do I say like, have you tried like healing your inner child wounds? Like, you know, like right after we take a shot, like. <laughs> yeah. I think sometimes it's a little crazy because, hold on, I have a child walking into my room. ¿Qué pasó? ¿Qué necesitas? Apúrate. They're doing schoolwork. Ruler? <laughs> <laughs> 
Está todo en la mesa. Pregúntale a tu hermana. Corre y pregúntale a tu hermana. Bueno, dile a ella, por favor. No puedo. Okay, so, um, sorry. I knew it would happen, but, you know, okay. it's all day. This so is we like, it's how life is. Like, yeah. what I love, just like a little sidebar, is everyone's creating media from home. And so, like, everybody is interacting with their children in that way. And it's like, I think it's positive because I think that we hide the fact yeah. that a lot of us are parents from some of the work that we do. And I think it's really yeah. positive to bring that to light. Me too. And also that like parenting is like super messy and it involves like these kind of like moments where you're like, I just have to be here. I need to take a moment to be present anyways. But okay. I was going to say, you were talking about, wow, really the reality of the fact that if you were to face why you're having issues um, in your relationship with communication that make you think you would not be able to be non-monogamous, then you might realize that the issues are actually super destructive. So I think that there's like gold there. But I want to point out, right, that we, the idea that we have about what monogamy looks like is super nuanced and is very based on silences, on like purposeful omitted um, instances, moments in our lives where we go out of our way to not tell our spouse stuff. And that could be as easy as like, oh, I was at a bar and I ran into my ex-boyfriend. And so when you come home, you just don't say that because you don't want to deal with the awkwardness. Like in monogamy, you have moments like this that occur all of the time. I'm healing from that. And I've been healing from that for years. And I've been, I would say I've been identifying as poly for about, let's say seven years, maybe. And I still deal with moments where I feel shame surrounding something that occurred and feel like I can't name it. And I think for what, like who benefits yeah. from me feeling like this was a bad thing, right? So we think about it, we think about like the person that you went to lunch with that you may not have mentioned or um, putting your phone face down because someone's been texting you that you don't feel like you want to have the conversation about being texted with. So um, I think there's a lot to it that we don't realize um, we need to either work on or just confront, right? Well, that's true because honestly, like most of the time when I, when someone's talking to me about polyamory, it's, a lot, I mean, you know, this is anecdotal, so it's not, you know, data, but because I don't know what it's like for people that are monogamous. But in my world, I have never met a monogamous person that's been 100% faithful in right. my, in my like, you know, little millennial Gen Z bubble that I'm in. Everyone is cheating. And some of that has to do with like a lot of them aren't married yet, but I've also met a lot of people that reach out to me online because of the podcast um, that talk to me because they know that I do it and they feel safe just kind of divulging, like, you know, either I've been cheating on my partner for this long. I don't want it to be that way. I want to open up the relationship, but I'm afraid to say anything. And that's like, that's the number one question I get in my email inbox is like, how do I tell my partner that I'm cheating and that I want to be non-monogamous? And it's like, you have got to get in front of a fucking counselor with your partner. Like if you don't feel safe enough to do that with them, like there's something way bigger going on. You know what I mean? And so it's going to be hard. I also think that like what you're saying comes from a place of so much trauma, like to tell someone, Hey, by the way, I've fallen in love with someone else so much so that I, I would like to open our relationship so I can include them. That is a really vulnerable thing to say. And it rightfully would make the other person put their guard up Yeah, because we have been taught that we will not be taken care of if there is an option to take a care of more than one person, right? Mm -hmm. So like our priorities will take a back seat. And the 
problem is that there was a society like even like in the 20s 30s you know during the great depression where men left and started new families and they were the sole income providers and abandoned women and children so i think we're dealing with like this like um historical trauma Mm. also but i think that every conversation needs to start with like hey i don't want to leave and i tell people all the time people are cheating because they don't want to leave if yeah. they wanted to leave, they would have left. People, mm-hmm. when you have an affair with someone, I've had affairs, I fell madly in love with a married man. And I, it's so difficult to, um, to kind of like fix those two sides of myself because the part of me that's like respectful and non-monogamous is like, what do you mean? Why can't we just like have, and I didn't want to take him from his family. I have my family, you know? Mm-hmm. I just felt like I didn't want to not explore what it was like to be with him just because he was committed to someone else. And I honestly think that when we frame things in that perspective, like I'm not leaving, I don't want to leave. I want to find a solution that will keep us together. I think we could kind of change um, the way that our relationships are held, you know? That's really smart. And like, it's also true that um, the pattern of cheating is just socially acceptable. Yeah. And I think that like, it's, it's really, um, exciting for people, but also like, I've also been in affairs. People just fall into it because they think that it's the only option for them to get what they need, you know, instead of even requesting it from their current partner. Right. Sometimes we're talking about like really out there fetishes that maybe someone met someone through a community. So like littles and bigs and like adult babies, I could see how you wouldn't want to open up to your spouse about that. And it would turn into you having a dynamic with someone else. But um, there is um, there is a psychological uh, bond that you form with a person that you are cheating with that you don't form. Yeah, we're a little over time, but that's. I feel like we should just wrap up the conversation because we're okay. On it. Yes, yeah. psychological aspect. Let's do it. Yeah. So um, your brain. Um, has these different hormones that come up and some of the hormones are responsible for several different emotions and just because they're responsible for different emotions doesn't mean that those emotions can't get linked into similar things and um cheating specifically because it has has to be secretive um forces your brain to put protective hormones out there oxytocin and so it'll hold on to things in a much stronger way than it would if you were not lying so um the emotions that you feel towards a person that you're having an affair with will always feel magnified. And we don't know that because it's not something we talk about, but it's the reason that people who leave their spouses for another person end up coming back like statistically, Mm -hmm. because once you leave that emotion's not there, it was, it was your brain doing a different thing. Right? So it is more dangerous to have affairs than it is to date openly. You are um, taking a decision of putting yourself at risk. And because you made that decision, you're more likely to kind of defend uh, that partner and that action in ways that you wouldn't have if you would have just been openly dating. Yeah. So I think that's really interesting. Let's close this off. Maybe we'll do another session and pick some stuff up. Let's see if if you guys have anything you want to hear about that we didn't discuss. Uh, I think we can pick it back up another time. And um, if you want to listen to more, we are going to jump actually on Britney's podcast. Um, um, Brits, do you like Brit more than Britney? 
I do. I pr- I like both. I don't really care. Brit okay. sounds like more natural for me, but like Brittany's just cute. So it's whatever. <laughs> okay. so we'll jump on Brit's podcast and you can continue listening to some of our conversation that will probably shift subjects a little bit. But if you want to hear more, check her out. This has been another podcast of Haven Space. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at Haven Space by Sarah and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Haven Space by Sarah. If you enjoyed this talk, consider becoming a patron and helping fund more talks like this in the future.